Wow. wow, that is that is insane. Um, and I've never ran into Harry Krishna or however you said that. No. I've, I've read about them, and I've never ran into a um, the the Black Hebrew Israelite, which you handled masterfully. But please, if anybody can listen to this, go to strivingforeternity.org, dot org, look for his podcast, and listen to that, or just go to his Facebook page and and watch that interaction. Mm. It'll it'll uh, blow your mind seeing how he handles somebody in a live format like that. Hey, we got something special we hope for you guys this week. What we're going to be doing is we're going to be playing this week a podcast interview that I was privileged to be on with Growth Project Radio. They had me on and interviewed me, and we're going to play that in its entirety. I will have some comments afterwards as well, but we wanted to also let other podcasters know that we are willing to come on to the podcast. We'll do the same thing we did with Growth Project Radio. We will give the podcaster, the host, a free copy of What Do We Believe? If you have me on for an interview, well, we'll give you three copies to give away to help promote your podcast. And we may even play that podcast here to help promote your podcast to our audience. We also are going to, at the end of this, we'll probably give you some news. we got some big things happening with the Christian podcast community. Starting in September, you're going to see more activity there with other podcasters. Not going to give you some of the names yet, but there are well-known names that are going to be coming over and doing some podcasting should be starting in September. And so I do want to let you know we before we play this interview that I want to encourage you to go out to our Patreon's page. The link is in the show notes and think about subscribing to not only this podcast but being a Patreon which would mean that you support us financially. We have an opportunity to be on the radio, we are having actually a couple of opportunities. One is to put, to put our daily, uh, two-minute daily podcast on the radio five days a week. But had met with someone that owns a couple of radio stations, he would like to syndicate the rap report, and he would like to get even a two-hour possibly weekend apologetics. And so we're talking with him about that, but it takes money to do that. They don't just give radio time. So we need your help. We're, we're going to be looking to raise quite a bit of money to be able to get all of that on the radio. And so we could use your help in that way. And the, the best way to do it is to go to our Patreon page to go and donate there. The more donations we get, the the at each of the different levels, we're going to be able to first put the rap report daily on. I think that he, he said that's going to be, I, I think, like 40000 a year just for two minutes. That's crazy. Um, but it does get the message out to, to many folks. And I think it's going to be about $100,000 to be able to get the hourly on. So if you guys could help us out, a lot of people doing a little goes a long way. But, hey, if you can, a lot of people giving a lot is even better. So we could use the help. Appreciate it. Here is the interview with me from when I was on Growth Project Radio. And like I said, I'll be back after the 
podcast interview to give you guys some more news. Welcome to the Rap Report with Andrew Rappaport, where we provide biblical interpretations and applications. This is a ministry of striving for eternity. For more content or to request a speaker or seminar for your church, go to strivingforeternity.org. with another episode of Growth Project Radio Radio coming to you live on this beautiful Tuesday night from our Growth Project studio in beautiful Kissimmee, Florida. I thought it was St. Clair. Is it? No, it's is, on are the you border. In the, I, I never have gotten that. You know right. what? You, li- you live too far to know the area. This is Kissimmee, <laughs> the border on the border of St. Cloud. We are right down the road from Disney, your favorite place My in favorite the entire place. Yep. planet, Absolutely. which I haven't figured out yet because... Uh, don't have as much a good a time as you do there, but it's fun. <laughs> it's fun. Hey, we got people from Texas in the house. Good. Connie, good to see you. Make sure you put them notes up for us. Connie, thank you so much. Um, we also have some other new guests in the house. Yeah. Got our uh, Roblox studio that my daughter put up. She heard the last show. She heard that I wanted some some guests on the podcast, and <laughs> so she decided to bring me some. So they're going to they're gonna observe from the background today. <laughs> She's laughing. She's in, enjoying that. Hey, I, you know, I, I want to say a whole bunch of stuff, but I'm I'm too excited about our guests. Let me oh yeah, set out the screen here, and I'm gonna bring them up, but I'm gonna introduce them first because we are doing this live, of course. And so tonight we have, you know, I'm 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 gonna geek out a little bit, or maybe what do you call that fanboy a little sure. bit? Because we have Andrew Rappaport. He's the founder and president of Striving for Eternity Ministries. Um, he also established uh, the Equip Conference, used to be Spread the Fire Evangelism Training and Outreach, which he does. He's the instructor for Striving for Eternity Academy, an online school that teaches hermeneutics and systematic theology. He's also the author of a book called What Do They Believe, which is a systematic theology of major Western religions. And also the book that we're going to talk about tonight is What Do We Believe? And it's essentially a systematic theology of the Christian faith. He'll correct me if I'm wrong. You know, it's weird knowing he's sitting there because it makes yeah, me no, nervous. Yeah, you get it wrong. Yeah, yeah, like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get, yeah, everything about. Robert said was wrong. <laughs> I'm going to get kicked out of the Christian podcast community. <laughs> yeah. This guy's a, a heretic. He already questioned our schooling and everything. <laughs> <laughs> um, he's also the founder of the Christian po- Podcast Network, which we are in the process of hopefully hopefully being, becoming part of. Um, and also the host of one of my favorite podcasts. I listen to it daily. It's the Rap Report, um, which is mostly a two-minute podcast. Uh, and then he does like a wrap-up at the end of the week. Today's episode was great. If you guys are yeah. into uh, discussions on the street and 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 really urban apologetics and or apologetics and theology in action, it's a great episode to listen to because you hear him talking to a, a black Hebrew Israelite. I'm afraid to say black because they got pretty upset about that, but uh, a Hebrew Israelite. Mm-hmm. And it's a great discussion about context and, and, and proper interpretation of scripture and yeah. using just basic hermeneutic principles. Uh, that we all need to know, we but we know. all, for the most part, suffer from not knowing. That's right. Well, for the it, most I'd like to welcome to the show, Andrew Rappaport. Oh, it should have had sound effects right there. There's no reason to be a a fanboy of a nobody from nowhere, all right? (laughs) Well, I've learned so much from you and and, and what you you said, one of your good friends, Matt Slick. You guys have taught me so much uh, in theology and apologetics. And to be honest with you, just a, a listening to your show, if somebody listens to your show for a month, they're gonna they're going to be eons and light years beyond where they, they started. 
Well, you know, and you guys are talking about hermeneutics. Uh, you know, Matt Slick, whenever he preaches, he's got one thing he always wants to do. He always wants to bring up theology mm-hmm. in every sermon. He wants, because he feels theology is that important. For me, it is always hermeneutics. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter what message I preach. If I'm behind a pulpit, I'm teaching hermeneutics, even if people don't realize it. Sometimes I'm just asking questions, why would we interpret this this way? Or, But I'm always trying to give people skills and tools to learn how to interpret on their own because the reality most of the how can we say this politely the bad stuff (laughs) that we hear on the radios yeah um you know all the popular podcasts i I just met with a a radio station owner this past week and and he was telling me how Almost all the bad podcasts, they have tons of money and they're all bad theology. It's like, if you get into bad theology, get money. It's the good, solid (laughs) theology that has no money behind it. Mm -hmm. And if people understood how to interpret scriptures properly, there there wouldn't be all this bad theology on the radio and on TVs because people wouldn't tolerate it. That's right. they, They wouldn't have the money. I mean, you're exactly. I mean, that's that's in essence what you're saying. You're exactly right. I mean, the 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 reality is this is something that Robert and I has been a passion of ours from the very beginning. Is that we work on the on the presupposition that the vast majority of believers in this country are theologically a mile wide and an inch deep, hermeneutically maybe even worse off than that. Uh, and so you're exactly right. That idea of of being able to teach people uh, every single time you get the opportunity to do it, whether I'm sure it's one of your classes or whether you're preaching or whether what we're doing tonight, it's probably the same thing that we want to do. And that is we just want people to really, truly understand what this word means and who God really is, as opposed to the bad stuff, which is not anywhere close to who God really is, but kind of who we maybe want him to be sometimes or presume for him to be or whatever we can make him be in order to increase our giving. And, and so it, it's, it's, it's a breath of fresh air to hear you guys. Uh, it, it is, it is an amazing thing. Even though we, none of us have any money, we're preaching the right thing. So that's uh, that's a good thing. Uh- Somebody send us That's some right. money so we can fix this, this problem we're having. Well, you wrote two great books. You wrote uh, What Do They Believe, which is really discussing a lot of what other uh, false religions and Western, I guess I said Western religions teach. Is that correct? Yeah, I mean, What Do They Believe is 14 years of my life devoted to other religions, and my wife told me get out. Like, I was starting to study Buddhism, and she's like, get out of this stuff and start studying the Bible again because she wanted what little hair I had left to stay. (laughs) Um, But basically what it is, is it goes over the major Western religions. So I study Judaism, which is my background, Roman Catholicism, Islam, Jehovah Witnesses, Mormonism, Christianity. I decided to look at it from their authorities. Mm. I don't, didn't want to be accused of misrepresenting them. I didn't want to be, using documents that they wouldn't accept. The reality is most people don't have Qurans in their house, Book of Mormons, Pearl of Great Price, Talmuds, things like that. So I wanted to put lots of quotes in there, and I look at them, systematize them into six doctrines. What's their authority? What's their view of God, specifically the Trinity? What's their view of Jesus Christ, specifically the deity? What's their view of man's sinfulness, salvation, and end times? And I went through each of them. Then after I was done, I went to authorities in those religions and asked them to review the chapters. And I was glad to see that people have said that I'm accurately representing the different positions. In fact, I was at a Mormon outreach in Utah, and one of the Mormons told me that, you know, he he told me there is no Christian that properly represents Mormonism. 
And I, I said, well, you could take a look at my book. And he said, he says, fine, I'll rip it apart. And the only thing he could come up with that was of any significance was um, the ordering in which Jesus and Lucifer were born. Mm. That was it, which wow. it was not a major thing in Mormonism. Sure. He actually had to admit that it was accurate, which probably hurt him. <laughs> I'm going to have to get a copy of that one. I hadn't got to read that one, but I did get to read uh, what, what do we believe, which I, I, I couldn't put it down, actually. Yeah, Gage flipped good. to the camera so I could show the world this cool book. There, see? My camera. There we go. <laughs> yeah. What do we believe? Which, actually, you've generously given us two to give away as a promotion for the show, correct? No. Oh, right. you know, I'll do <laughs> that to me thing again. You got I'll wrong. do that to me. He did that to me when we were setting up the meeting. I, I, I reminded him. He goes, uh, "What is this about?" I'm like, yeah, "Oh, yeah. Man, never heard of that." Give me a heart attack. <laughs> he didn't. He didn't hear what I said though. I said, I, "You're you're you're not correct. It's not two. I'm, no. We're giving you three to oh, give away." Three. Oh, there you go. Oh, bonus. <laughs> Even better. I get the one was the one was just for you. <laughs> awesome. Well, excellent. Well, I, I, I will be running a uh, promotion this week to give those away to to the listeners and whoever else wants to um, get in on that, but. This book was good. It's essentially a systematic theology. Now, for my listeners that don't know, um, what it talked, what is systematic theology? Sure. Systematic theology, basically what we, we want to do is take the categories of topics and put them together. So we go through the entire Bibles. For example, we're going to look at something like the deity of Jesus Christ. We're not just going to go through the Gospels or even the New Testament because a lot of what we see is in the Old Testament. Mm-hmm. We're going to, so we go through the entirety of the Bible trying to categorize the entire Bible into things like the deity of Christ, the deity of the Holy Spirit, the Trinity, salvation. How do, how do we come to all these things? Because the first thing we, as we talked about, right, hermeneutics is essential mm-hmm. to every Christian. But having a sound theology is important because so many people think theology is just for the Ivy Leagues and for, you know, pastors or someone like that who studies. You know, I, I had the opportunity of, of being used to lead a Mormon to Christ um, basically on an online discussion. Mm-hmm. And through the discussion then started phone calls she came to christ and she keeps saying i I don't want theology that's that's not me i'm not a i don't i'm not i can't handle that sort of stuff but all the questions she keeps asking me are all theology can Mm -hmm. can i lose this salvation that i just got Mm -hmm. i'm struggling with sin and i'm i'm just not sure how to deal with this and i'm always afraid that god may kick me out so things like that that's theology Mm -hmm. yeah and the problem is that if you look at most systematic theology books, you can look at John MacArthur's new one that just came out, Biblical Doctrine. You could look at Wayne Grudem. You could look at the several uh, volumes of Hodge. Any of those, they're very thick. Yes. Mm-hmm. I, I, did, I did the Wayne Grudem one when I first discovered theology, and I was like, wow. Speaking of MacArthur, I see some MacArthur uh, study uh, commentaries in the background there. <laughs> Yeah, if I move the camera up, there's there's the study guides up there. Yeah, nice. Um, I I actually had a, a pastor who came. <laughs> he we, we were um, candidating him, and his starting question was to say, "What do you think of John MacArthur?" And he he told me later he asked that question because either everyone loves him or hates him. Mm-hmm. There's yeah. nobody in between. Not and, a whole lot my, of middle ground with MacArthur. Is yeah, it? no. And my response was, I, "You know, MacArthur pretty much discipled me." Mm. And he was like, what? Yeah, from afar, because I've, I've read every book he's written, study guides, books, commentaries. I mean, I actually read all of his commentaries like a book cover to cover, so mm. it's 
Yeah, I'm that nerdy. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> you and Danny both probably. Yeah. That sounds yeah. like something, Danny. So how, how can we use... But, oh, yeah, continue your discussion with, about yeah, suspension. Yeah, I mean, the thing is that if you have, a, if you have something like, you know, even, even Charles Ryrie's basic theology, where he purposely kept those chapters short, mm-hmm. it still takes you four and a half months if you take one chapter at a time one chapter a day to get through because it's like 96 chapters. It's it, They're thick. I wanted something that was small enough that could be used in a, a Sunday school classroom, could be used for discipling, could be used with anyone so that if somebody gets saved, they can take this book, they can read through it, and they would be able to understand the basics of theology. Will they pick everything up? No. But on a second reading through, they'll pick up more and more. One of the things I tried to do is write for, for all levels. Uh, maybe not someone like Danny, but someone who who's, does some study into theology and reads like a, a Wayne Grunemer son could read this and, and still learn some things. Because mm. there's actually one chapter that I haven't found in any systematic theology book that I've read so far, which is why I included it, which is the second chapter on the reliability of scripture. Yeah. And yeah. the reason that's so important is you cannot go on the streets nowadays and not have to be able to defend that. Yeah, true. That is the number one thing that comes up. Either, oh, the Bible's been edited. It's been copied. It was a telephone game. We don't have the Bible anymore. And all those things are easy to answer, but people don't have the, the tools to do it. And I wanted to take something called textual criticism and make it easy to understand for all levels. But you actually picked out my favorite chapter. I, of all the ones that I, I enjoyed uh, in the book, the second chapter on on the reliability of scriptures, I think because because it um, uh, it includes so much from an apologetic standpoint, uh, I, I found it all of it practical. But that one of the the more practical uh, chapters you wrote, I thought it was outstanding. And and when I when I reflect back, I was in I was at Southwestern Seminary in ninety two through ninety four. Uh, in Fort Worth, Texas, and that was just about the time the seeker sensitive movement came out, which was, of course, very, very light on theology. If, if, and that's being relatively generous. Uh, and, uh, and now we're seeing that even, even more so and even worse from the emergent church, uh, uh, standpoint. And then I go to some place like, like Princeton Seminary in, in New Jersey, which is very heavy on theology, all bad, <laughs> but, but very heavy on theology. And it, 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 there was no, there was no, um, uh, there was no interest in their in their part to kind of make that to make that practical. So I was that actually you're you're talking about this actually leads into the question that I that I really wanted to ask you, or at least one of them that I really wanted to ask you is how important is it to have sound for sound doctrine in order to be able to implement practical theology? It's extremely important because it's the foundation. It, you know, <clears throat> one of the things when I teach my class on. The, uh, systematic theology. I start with the attributes of God for a very simple reason. All of our theology is rooted in an attributes of God. Mm. You, you, you take the biggest debate we have, I think, in Christianity, the Calvinism-Arminianism debate, right? I mean, how many trees have been killed over that debate? And, and the reality is, if you take a look at the attributes of God and you start listening to some of the arguments people make, you realize that a lot of people have trouble because they start making God as if he's bound by time or he's not omniscient. You'll hear people say, well, God looked down the tunnels of time to see who was going to choose him. And then they, they, because they chose him, God then elected them before time. That puts God not only within time, but 
it also makes him no longer omniscient that he had to wait to see what someone was going to do right. to then make a decision. Yeah, uh, He didn't make decisions. God just knows everything, which yeah. we can't wrap our heads around. But, it, you know, you think about this. God never had a bright idea in his life. Mm. Mm. He, he never observed anything, which is how we get ideas. He didn't observe something go oh that's neat i didn't notice that before mm. or let me make a choice he just knows it yeah we can't comprehend that yeah mm-hmm. you know yeah. you think about the big struggles that people have when they come into christ get in the church their struggles of holiness their struggles of you know do, keeping themselves away from the sinful lifestyle that they just came out of mm. and there's these struggles and the reality is, well, God is holy, and that's why he, he calls you to be like him. Mm. Most of the things that, you know, we as pastors deal with really are theology questions. Mm. And a lot of the things that you'll hear is you have people come into the church quickly. If you've been, if you've been in the church long enough, studying theology long enough, you, your, your radar goes off. You see someone come in, some quick questions you can ask. Ask about the deity of Christ. It's amazing how quickly you could find out someone's really off the mark. Oh, it's amazing, mm-hmm. isn't it? I had someone on the street that told me I, he, he wanted to correct me in a loving way. This was, a, I was out in California doing some open air evangelism. And when I got done, this guy comes over and says, hey, you know, that was great. But, you know, one thing you said that I, I just wanted to correct, you said Jesus is God, not that he's the son of God. Mm-hmm. I said, yeah, that's right. He's God. <laughs> no, no, no. He's the son of God. I said, do you even know what that term means? Mm, yeah. See, yeah. because that's a title for Christ that we don't use today. People think he's the offspring mm. of right. God. That's exactly right. Really? E- even, including so people who've been in church for a while. Yeah. Huh? Including people who've been in church for a while. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, this guy was in church his, you know, his whole life. Wow. But what's amazing is you know, simple things like I asked him, I said, so I guess you're saying that Barnabas was born from the offspring of encouragement, because that's what <laughs> Barnabas means, son of encouragement. Mm-hmm. Or, or maybe James and John, we, we always thought that their parents were Mary and Zachariah, but I, I, I guess those were the names of two, you know, like the lightning bolts or something, yeah. because they're called the sons, sons of, of thunder. thunder. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's yeah. good. You know, um, and you know, you find things like in Mormonism, they'll get stuck where they, they'll see god described in physical attributes and they start to say well god was once a man god the father was a sinful man on another planet that became god it's like no that's an anthropomorphism that's yeah. just a way of describing god in a human way that, that we can understand yeah absolutely mm, i think we're are we coming up to a break yep i think we're up to All a right, break let me, right now. let me let me do this here finagle in here let me see exit full screen you know what? We probably should have canned the commercials. We'll, we'll be right back with more Growth Project Radio in a moment. Stay tuned. Dr. Danny Purvis here. I wanted to invite you to our newest podcast project, Five Minutes of Truth. This weekly podcast is packed with clear biblical truth and a short five-minute episode. You'll be surprised at the amazing truths that can be found 
in some of the most obscure and most common parts of the Bible. Visit growthproject.org for episode notes and additional episode-related resources. Also available on iTunes, Google Music, and many of the popular podcast providers. In this is love. Not that we loved God, but He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. 1 John 4.10 The word propitiation, as used in this verse, is one of my personal favorite words in all of the Bible. John Piper, in his book, 50 Reasons Why Christ Came to Die, defines propitiation as, quote, the removal of God's wrath by providing a substitute. The substitute is provided by God Himself. The substitute, Jesus Christ, does not just cancel the wrath. He absorbs it and diverts it from us to Himself. God's wrath is just, and it was spent, not withdrawn, end quote. This very explanation of propitiation is what God used to open my eyes and heart to the gospel. Do you know Jesus as your propitiation? This has been another growing moment with Robert Houghton. We are back with more Growth Project Radio. Uh, took a little break there. You know, Danny, we're going to can the next break. That yeah, sounds good to that's me. That's too much trouble with all, with all, with all yeah. this video stuff All these going moving on. parts just, here. We're not that smart. Unfo- yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, they won't hear our commercials about uh, Right Now Media and the 5 Minutes of Truth podcast yeah, and the yeah. Bible Support Group. Yeah. and uh, All those great things we've got going yeah, on. Yeah, growthproject.org yeah. and all the and even Striving for Eternity. We have one of their commercials yeah, on absolutely. here now. Speaking of Striving for Eternity, we are returning with, as soon as I can pull up yeah next time we are not doing a break so yeah we'll just... all right we're here with andrew Rappaport again andrew you are back on live how'd you enjoy that break with no audio on your end well I, no i heard audio i think i heard you guys invite me down to florida in yes. studio that's what i heard yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're gonna pay your fare and, that's exactly uh, right you know you speaking of that you guys do offer uh training that you do travel for correct that is correct we have a bunch of seminars that we travel and the way we do it we you can clearly see that I came out of Judaism and I must have left it behind because the way we do things is not for money. (laughs) We we do seminars, we travel around, we have seminars on Bible interpretation made easy. We have Dr. Anthony Svestro will do creation science. Mm -hmm. If you haven't heard that, he does a great job. Uh, Both he and I do presuppositional apologetics. We have uh, a bachelor's evangelism course that we do. And then we have a, one of the other speakers, Pastor Frank Mullis, his expertise is not an expertise anyone wants to have, but he is one of the leading experts in the state of Georgia for sexual abuse crimes. Wow. And he does seminars on how to protect the church against sexual abusers. Crazy statistic, but I think it's 75% of the people that get arrested for sexual crimes, it is their first offense everyone thinks that people are re-offenders and they do these background checks and he says background checks don't do anything Mm. it only catches 25 percent of the people wow and even less because that 25 percent know how to hide it better Mm. so he ends up teaching people what to look for and the way we do the seminars is we just say hey can you at least cover our travel if if you you know, love offering or whatever. And, and there have been times that our travel hasn't been covered and we're okay with that. Sure. 
Mm, that's a great feed. You know, I've, I've always heard your commercials on Wretched Radio, which has always been cool. And then when I found out the two are connected, I was like, that is cool. <laughs> Especially when I heard the, Todd's voice on your, on your, for your promo. I was like, oh, that's so cool. I, I don't know why. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm geeking out again. Aren't I? We, we have, <laughs> we have some uh, live, live questions here. Well, a live statement, actually. Connie Farmer mentioned that she's kind of struggled with understanding the Trinity. Now, is that something that you went through in the, in the book? I can't remember. Yes, I did. Mm -hmm. And so we have a chapter on God and we go through the Trinity. And one of the things that I say is that the Trinity is a solution to a problem. What's the problem? The problem is when you go through the scriptures, you see that God the Father is referred to as God. Mm -hmm. Jesus Christ is referred to as God. And the Holy Spirit is referred to as God. You see that Jesus is not the Father. Jesus is not the Spirit. The Spirit is not the Father. You see them separate. You can see at Jesus' baptism, you see all three of them mm. distinct from one another. You can also see that each one of them has attributes that only God has, like omniscience mm. or eternal. You end up seeing that all three of them does the work that God alone does. In Isaiah, it says, God alone created and everything that was created, he did it alone. But you see that God the Father has stated that he did the creation. The Spirit did the creation. The Son did the creation. Mm. So that's a problem because it sure seems like all three of these people are God, and yet they're separate. How can they be three in one? That is what the Trinity is there. It's the solution. It's, it's, it is a human construct. I admit mm. that. It's a... The, People trying to wrap their heads around something we can't comprehend, and in doing so, came up with the terminology of three persons in one God. Mm -hmm. This past week, I was in New York City. Um, anyone that wants to get their feet wet doing open-air evangelism, especially, come with us. It's not even striving for a training. It does it. I, I've been doing the training for this group, but uh, it's, it's Christian Collegian Network, and they call it Repent and Witness. Uh, but we go for four days. And it's like 14 hours of evangelism on the streets of New York. And we spent a good portion of Friday night dealing with three or four guys that do not believe in the Trinity. They believe you can lose your salvation and gain it, lose it and, and gain it over and over and over. Mm -hmm. They believe you have to be sinlessly perfect to keep your salvation. Mm -hmm. And you go through all that. And we focused on the Trinity that first because of the fact that they had a problem and you could hear in their language where one of them actually said that God, the father died on the cross. Mm -hmm. That's a problem yeah. But without the a doctrine of the Trinity. You can't solve that problem. Mm -hmm. Then of course we got into the doctrine of salvation, which they really needed to understand because they thought that you're saved by grace, but then you maintain it by your works. Mm -hmm. And so that becomes a different gospel. And as we dug into it more and more with them, we started to realize that. So, yeah, we spent about three, four hours just talking theology with those guys mm -hmm. on the streets. Now, let me ask you a question. So, for people who are listening who would like to get into street evangelism and open air preaching and all that, they might be intimidated at the idea that they may not understand all of this theology in here. T tell, us, tell us your thoughts on that. Okay, first off, I do it on a regular basis. And I'm intimidated by doing street evangelism. <laughs> yeah, that's in So, it, look, I have people that always come up to me and say, Andrew, I, I can't do the way you do it or the way a Ray Comfort does it. And the reality is, 
you could if you were doing it as long as we were. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've been doing open-air evangelism. I was actually talking with Ray about this a couple weeks ago. I've been doing open-air evangelism as long as he's been in America, which is 30 years now. Wow. And he still hasn't so, lost his accent. Yeah, no. <laughs> and and he's, he's been doing it for like 40, I think 42 years now or wow. 40 mm-hmm. years. And so, you know, it's a, it's a simple thing a friend of mine, Mark Spence, said, Whatever question you get asked on the street that you don't know the answer to, that's what you study. Mm-hmm. Study that. Get the answer. The next thing that someone challenges you with and you don't know the answer to that, that's what you study. And over time, you, you build up a repertoire of answers to the questions. And the reality, there's only about maybe 10, 12 questions you really need the answer to because mm-hmm. they're going to get asked in different ways. It's it's really not a lot you have to know to be on the street because you're going to hear it over and over. Someone's going to either they're going to they're going to talk about the reliability of scripture. They're going to say God doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. They're going to say all religions are the same. That's some basic questions you're going to hear all the time. Yeah, I, I so for me when I first got saved, I heard uh, Hell's Best Kept Secret, which scared the tar out of me, which led me into sort of uh, some of their way the master training stuff. So I learned the good person test, and I, I still have a diary to this day that I wrote into it. I, I want to go do this, so I went to a gas station with a million dollar bill gospel track and scared out of my mind. I, I must have made four attempts before I actually finally talked to somebody, and I had no clue how to respond to half this stuff. But slowly but surely, just like you said, I'd go home and I would I would learn the answers to these different things and to strengthen my faith, which was excellent. There mm-hmm. was there was times I went home thinking, man, that was a good point that person had, and my faith was shook a little bit. But when I found the answer and I found out that God's word stood firm, I, I was encouraged. Well, here's here's what we're going to do for you, Robert. We're going to make sure that next year you sign up for Living Waters Ambassador Academy, and <laughs> we'll make sure you're on my team. Yes, and, I'm uh, to go there, bro. Well, Straight we'll, up, we'll I'm going. Fun. We're going. We're going. That's <laughs> Growth Project's funding that one. I'm going. Absolutely. <laughs> I'll be out there. I'll be geeking out at seeing Ray Comfort and all those guys. You know, I did the um, deeper conference one year with them. They did the the 500, and Todd and all those guys went out into Atlanta. I think it was put together by Marcus Pittman, if you know him. Um, he's with, uh, was with Apologia and Jeff Durbin and those guys, but we went out and covered downtown Atlanta and did one-on-ones and and Todd was on my team. That was kind of cool. Well, I, I could, I've never told this story publicly. Uh Uh-oh. Not that I know of, but I'll I'll give you a story of what happened to one of the deeper conferences. Exclusive on Growth Project Radio. I could get in trouble because it's somewhat embarrassing to write. So (laughs) I got him pretty bad on a practical joke. Mm Ray Comfort came over to, our, to the table in the green room and he comes over to me and he says, hey, look, I really want to make a, a good impression with, with Frank Pristori. Can, can he sit with you guys? And I'm like, oh, yeah, sure, Ray, no problem. Ray turns around and Frank's signing you know, baseball cards for Mark Spence and, and his kids. And I turned to the two guys next to me, Mike and um, oh, Greg, and I just turned to them. I'm like, guys, you, you know, as soon as he sits down, we're getting up and leaving, right? And they're like, <laughs> oh, yeah. So literally, here's here's Frank. He puts his plate down, goes sit down. The three of us get up, turn around, and walked out of the room. Oh, we man. stopped just at the door, and we turned around and start coming back. Ray Comfort was as red as I've I've never <laughs> seen him <laughs> red. And he said, and Ray's like, "Oh, I'm so sorry, Frank." I don't, you know, and Frank's like, "Oh, I'm going to get along great with these guys." <laughs> That's great. I, I'd love to have been a, a fly on the wall for that. So I, I can't wait to give some of these out. I'm hoping some people dive in there i read so many things i underline i had to lend it to danny so he can read it so so i forgot all the different things that, that i like but i i thoroughly enjoyed it well, having I go- yeah, I'd send you too 
Well, I didn't believe you. you know, <laughs> so people say things, but doing them is a, is a whole other thing. You know? I, I, I did, Andrew. I did want to ask you something um, th- that uh, was was going through my mind as I was reading your book. Um, yours is uh, is a is a uh, very accessible systematic theology, which mm-hmm. is one of the things that Robert and I have been striving for. Uh, I think it was Einstein that said, "If you if you know a complex construct, but you can't explain it in a way that the average person can understand it, then you really don't know it." And so, what we've tried to do is make all of the things that we do here at Growth Project. One of the things I really appreciated about your book is making it accessible. Um, and, and one of the things I really liked about it is is the infusion of uh, what you don't see in a lot of a lot of these things is the infusion in apologetics uh, into you can see your your love and your passion for apologetics woven into the systematic theology but my my experience has been um, and of course I, like I said I was in I got my MDiv in, in 92 between 92 and 94 at Southwestern Seminary I, I didn't have to take one apologetics class I did take it because it was an elective but we didn't have one class and it was only a two hour class it has since exploded apologetics has become a really big deal but the problem that I've noticed and and you can correct me if I'm wrong or if or if I'm off base on this. My my uh, my um, understanding of this and, and my observation has been that we still have most believers who think this is like a niche ministry. Ah, good point. That that uh, you know that you know Ravi Zacharias, Christian apologist, Andrew Rapaport, Christian apologist. Mm-hmm. Well, the reality is we're Robert, all Christian apologists. Robert Houghton, Christian model. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. That's that's exactly, that's exactly what everybody's saying. Yeah. Well, no, he he's got a point there because there's yeah, so many mind. Christian models and magazines and okay, but you know, I think I think you're right. Listen, I I think that every Christian is a missionary. Every, every Christian is a theologian. Um, every Christian is an apologist. Yeah, we when we are studying God's word, we are theologians. We we it's the study of God. Every Christian should be studying to know God better. Everyone should be sharing their faith. That's what the Great Commission is. To first, you know, you can't make disciples and teach someone everything the Lord's taught you if they don't know Christ. So the right. very first step is evangelism. Mm. And that is going to involve apologetics. Yes. Now, here's the thing. I I think that there's been an explosion in a good way of presuppositional apologetics. Oh, and yeah. Cornelius Van Til is my man. Huh? The Cornelius Van Til. I don't know if you uh, if you read much yeah. of Van Til. Oh, I love that guy. Yeah, I have his complete works I read through, but here's the thing. <clears throat> Van Til is not at a lay level. <laughs> no, no. It's like reading stereo instructions sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, even Bonson's not at a lay level. I, I mean, that's why I think the, the work that Dr. Anthony Silvestro did in his book on the origin of kinds that we have is very good because it does a great job of that. The other book is, I think it's called The Fight's Right. And this is probably for just purely presuppositional apologetics i think probably the best book to get i think it's the fight right the fights or the rights fight by jay lucas mm. somebody put the connie very, put the link very, in the thingy yeah very accessible and he he's really teaching presuppositional apologetics without using the terminology mm. but i remember in seminary we didn't have many apologetics courses yeah. the reason that we we had what we had was because one of the professors was getting his his PhD in presuppositional apologetics, which freaked me out when he invited me in as a speaker one day for his class. I'm like, um, you have a PhD in this stuff. Like, what am I going to teach that you can't? Yeah. And he said something very interesting. He says, I teach it in a classroom, but I watch you do it on the streets. Oh, cool. Yeah. And it's yeah. very different. Yeah. He said, my students need to know how to take what I teach to the streets. Yeah. 
And that's a missing element in the apologetics, because what you see is you see the apologetics that are taught in books like the like we mentioned with Van Til that are way above what most people can comprehend. And people that love studying that study that or you get into some of the apologetics that's more evidentially based and you're memorizing lots of different key facts of science and things like that. And then you have guys on the street that are defending the faith that don't have a background in either theology or apologetics. Mm. And sometimes, and if look, if you want proof of this, just go on YouTube and, and type in street preaching, and you're going to see plenty of examples of really bad evangelism and really bad apologetics. You yeah. see people that are looking to win a debate, mm-hmm. nail some unbeliever and, and walk away to pat himself on the back with his friends going that a boy because he just shut some guy's mouth but didn't present the gospel. Exactly. Oh, yeah. yeah. One of the things that I have seen uh, every, uh, there's a, the law of unintended consequences really affects almost everything that we, we end up doing, no matter how good it is. And, and one of the things that I have seen in this explosion of apologetics has been a lot of people treat apologetics as an end instead of a means to an end. And I have always yeah. looked at apologetics as a means to an end. And the end is being able to get the gospel out there, not trying to win a debate. And, and because we have so many people who engage in this who are really bright, People, I mean, again, one of my favorites is Ravi Zacharias. The guy, I, I, I wish I had a third of his brain. I mean, he's just a really, really bright guy. And so, the average believer, a lot of times, will 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 hear these guys speak. And then we'll say, I could never do that because I'm not that smart. Uh, and so it is almost, apologetics is almost seen more now in, in a lot of lay people's eyes as an intellectual endeavor as it is more than anything else. But that's the beautiful thing about presuppositional apologetics because you don't have to know a whole lot of details. It's really simple. I, I tell people this, it's as simple as this. There's two presuppositions that I hold to. God exists. He has spoken. Yeah. That's it. And those are two things I don't give up. And so when I, as people start challenging me and they say, well, I don't believe that God exists. Yes, you do. No, I don't. Yes, you do. He says you do. Romans chapter one says that you, mm-hmm. that you know that God exists. You suppress it in unrighteousness. So you know he exists. You just suppress that. Yeah. I'm like, how could you tell me that? I'm not telling you that. God tells me that. Mm-hmm. He's written it down. You know, when we get into arguing these sort of things with people and they start saying, well, well, God does not exist. I have seen no evidence that he exists. And, I, and I'll just turn and say, oh, you, you'd like evidence. Yes. Okay. So you want to appeal to your ability to reason. You want things like truth and knowledge and you want the laws of logic to come and play, and you, you'd like some morality to say something's right and wrong, correct? Yes. Okay, all those are immaterial things. None of those are chemical reactions. It's immaterial. You can't pour a cup of knowledge. Mm-hmm. So, therefore, that can't come from your view that there is no God. That can only come from an immaterial source. Somebody gave you that ability to reason. Animals don't have that kind of ability to reason. Laws of logic, I love because people will say, well, the laws of logic are constructs that we have discovered in our human mind. I'll say, okay, so are you saying before there was a human mind? Because all of us at some point agree there was a time before there were humans. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I would say it was about six days. Others want to say millions of years. But there was a point before a human mind. Can we agree to that? Yes. Okay. Can you, would you argue that the universe could have existed and not existed at the same time in the same way before there was a human mind? 
What I'm doing is bringing the second law that you learn in logic is the law of non-contradiction. Mm-hmm. You can't contradict something. So you can't have the universe existing and not existing in the same way at the same time. Now they have a dilemma. The dilemma is if they say that the universe could have existed and not existed at the same time in the same way because there was no human mind to discover it, they've just contradicted they've the law of non-contradiction, which makes them illogical. Or they end up having to agree with me, yeah. <laughs> which they don't want to do. <laughs> See, because if they, if they say that they accept contradictions, then I just tell them that I'm right. They say I'm wrong. I say, no, I'm right. They say they're wrong. I say, look, I'm right and you can't disagree with me because you accept contradictions. <laughs> I don't. If you think that I must be wrong and you must be right, then you're agreeing with my worldview. It's a fun way of doing it with folks, but what I'm doing is I'm trying to help them to realize that the way they can see that God exists is their ability to do the science that they claim proves God doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. So that's similar to the tag argument, correct? No, well, the, the tag argument would be a little bit different in the sense that it, it's going to deal with some things that are, um, you know, looking at things that are immaterial and try, and finding a source for it. The one reason I don't use what's known as the tag argument is because, well, Christians don't realize this. It was developed by a Muslim. Oh, man. Hmm. Darn you, Matt and Slick, so, for teaching me that. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I've, actually, Matt and I have talked about it. It's, it is a good argument, but yeah. the tag argument does not get you to the Christian God. Right. I it's see. an Just argument for God. For God in general. And I'm going to argue from the Bible for the Christian God. Hmm. And the way I'll do that is the fact that the, the God that exists has got to be one that's immaterial, absolute, and universal. Why? Because the laws that we see are universal. We see that these laws are absolute. There are things like absolute morality. People say, no, there isn't. Really, give me a case for rape. Yeah. It's always wrong everywhere. Mm-hmm. And no, no one's going to think of a reason that's, that's good. And they'll try to appeal to things like harm. Well, you can't harm another person. You know, there was a dentist here in New Jersey that had, when women were, were you know, put out and he's doing surgery. He actually raped, I think it was like 27 women or something like that. Mm. One of them got pregnant. She said, okay, this is either a miraculous birth or someone, something happened. Mm. And they were able to force a DNA test um, and find out that he was the father. And so other women started realizing, wait a minute, I, I thought something was strange too. All of a sudden it came out to different patients. Well, here's the interesting thing. There were several women who he admitted to having violated and yet, they had no harm done to them. They suffered no signs of harm until they had found out that hmm. they had been raped. Hmm. And so, the interesting thing with it was, I, I tell you, so then it's not the harm, the act of rape. So, I always ask the question, is the act of rape always wrong? And they always say yes. But the only way you can say that is to appeal to God, because if you appeal to harm, well, here's a case where no harm was done. Really, we should tell, not let people know they were raped. Yeah. Because if you don't let them know, then, then there's no harm done yeah. in, mm. in those cases. And they're like, well, no, they, they, they were, they, it was without consent. Well, how do you know it was without consent? They were unconscious. <laughs> you know I mean? And now consent's being tossed out the window these days. So mm. that, we're getting there. But and I think your point's well taken too about the um, the uh, the. There's a difference between 
arguing, for lack of a better word, debating, uh, having a conversation that leads to the idea that there is a God, uh, as opposed to strictly the, uh, the, the Christian God, because, uh, you know, the, the data keeps bearing out that in America anyway, atheism has not really caught on. Uh, it, there's still the vast, vast majority of people in this country believe that a God exists. Uh, and so I think, I think you're right. I think our, our tact ought to be, our, our strategy ought to always be not to just argue the point that God exists because the, the, the number percentage wise of people who believe that are really very small, but actually leading them to the right God and is, is really probably the most important thing to do. You know, Al Mohler in his uh, daily briefing this morning referred to an article that came out from a, uh, not an atheist, but a secularist. And he was bemoaning that secularism or atheism hasn't taken on enough yet. Like, why is it not catching on? And he's trying to figure out how to get it to catch on. But he, he basically realizes they've been trying to force the secular mindset for generations. And still it's not taking hold like they expected it would by now. Especially when you compare it to how successful, successful it's been in Europe. Uh, and where the rates of atheism are, are extremely high. The percentages of atheism are extremely high. And people can't quite figure out why it hasn't caught on here when you Not- have the media, uh, supporting it and, and, uh, and you've got famous, uh, celebrities and, and musicians and athletes. I mean, you have all these people and everything, all the, all the, all the machinery is behind atheism, but it still has not caught on like they had hoped it would here. How often do you run into... Well, here's the interesting thing that you see. Atheism in Europe has created a vacuum in their attack on Christianity. And what's filled that vacuum has been Islam. Mm. And there are some well-known, high-profile atheists that are starting to recognize this. Mm. You know, they start to see that as they've been attacking Christianity, something far worse is coming in behind it, Mm. filling the vacuum, that void. Mm, that's interesting. I hadn't heard that. Yeah, that's interesting. And, and the simple reality, atheism versus Islam, atheism loses because they're not willing to risk their life for it, <laughs> and Islam will. That's exactly right. That's a good point. Now, in your experience on the streets, how often do you run into I, – I'm just guessing here based on my experience here. A majority of the people you probably run into are false converts, and how many are really truly atheists? Well, I live up in the Northeast, so I don't have too many false converts. Okay. We've got, we got a lot of them done. Um, no one's a believer here. We're not in the Bible Belt, okay. <laughs> which is one advantage. But I get into many that profess to be atheists. In, in New York City, where I love to evangelize at Union Square Park, one of the reasons I love it is you have everything there. I mean, while we're standing up doing open air preaching, just down the way a little bit are the Hare Krishnas. Mm. Everybody there is spiritual. They all have a different view. We we have one guy that's been heckling me for going on ten years now, <laughs> and he's trying to create his own religion. Um, and so now, now that's he, persistent he there, after a decade, and yeah, then. yeah, oh yeah, he's got his, he's got tracks and everything. Wow, wow that is that is insane. Um, and I've never ran into Harry Krishna or however you said that. No. I've, I've read about them, and I've never ran into a um, the the Black Hebrew Israelite, which you handled masterfully. But please, if anybody can listen to this, go to strivingforeternity.org, look for his podcast, and listen to that, or just go to his Facebook page and and watch that interaction. Mm-hmm. It'll it'll uh, blow your mind seeing how he handles somebody in a live format like that. You know, there I, I there was another video, um, I'm trying to remember, 
I'm trying to remember, it was in Cleveland where we were and we ran into the black Hebrew Israelites. Now, the reason I did that podcast on the rap report was because a lot of people were seeing the video of me in New York City on Saturday night. I, we were doing some open air evangelism. Uh, I was actually not going to do any because my voice was really on its last legs. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I didn't want to blow my voice when I was going to be preaching the next day. We had a guy that was standing up on the box and a single guy came up who's espousing the uh, beliefs of black Hebrew Israelites. And so I started feeding this one guy some things to say. Mm-hmm. And it was kind of a discipling on literally in the street form. Mm-hmm. And I had him read a passage and explain the passage. And all of a sudden we had like four or five of these black Hebrew Israelites. And if you have not seen them, they can be very aggressive, mm-hmm. very aggressive. And, you know, one of the things I want to do is give folks, if you are going to do street evangelism and you're in a city, you're going to see black Hebrew Israelites. I wanted folks to have an idea how to handle it. Mm. You know, just as simple as staying on top because those guys want to jump all over the place. They cannot stay on a topic because once they have something they can't answer, their pride is such, they just, they got to be right. So they jump all over. They come in a pack and they just out over shout you Mm-hmm. just nonstop shouting things. And it, it, you'll see in either in the video or on the podcast, we play the audio. I'm trying to get them to commit to one-on-one dialogue. Mm-hmm. Me with one person, I chose the person that was the most reasonable of them and try to get them to commit to just one-on-one and finishing a topic. And you see how difficult it was for them, but you see, I don't give up on that. I just stay on the one topic. And one of the things that you end up hearing you hear a little bit of their theology, and their theology is extremely, extremely racist. They believe that the blacks will, will bring about World War III, that whites will be enslaved to them, and they will rape our women. That is exactly mm-hmm. what I've heard said over and over as I go across the country mm-hmm. and deal with black Hebrew Israelites. They, these, these things that they're going to, there's going to be a World War III where they're going to be the slave masters, we're going to be their slaves, and they're going to be raping our women. That's, that is one of the things. And all of this is the idea that they believe that they are the, he- they are the Hebrews that came from Africa. And they base it on one verse. I mean, I can base my lineage back to Levi by going my father to his father, 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 all the way back. Mm. That's how you do a genealogy. Mm-hmm. Correct. They take it from one passage of scripture. Um, let, me, let me pull this down. I'll, I'll, I don't know if you if you wanted to go into that. Oh, yeah, please do. Sure. Uh, we have probably 10 minutes left. So, yeah, I, I thought this was fascinating to me. And, mm. and again, it's a good example of just context and basic hermeneutics. But yeah, I was going to say, this is hermeneutics. This is the verse that they have. They say, this is Deuteronomy 28, verses 68. And it says, and the Lord will bring you back in ships to Egypt, a journey that I promise that you shall never make again. And there, there you shall offer yourselves for sale to your enemies as male and male and female slaves, but there will be no buyers. And what they argue is that, that only the African slave trade that's the only time people were, were sold as slaves in ships. Mm-hmm. That's their argument. And mm-hmm. therefore, this is a promise to the Africans in the African slave trade that they are Israelites. And this was a prophecy of them. Now, here's the problem. 
they take the word ship literal. You'd think, okay, well, then Egypt must be literal, right? No, Egypt means bondage. So you say, well, it says, I will bring you back in ships. Mm -hmm. So were, when was that previous time you were in America? Like, <laughs> oh, no, we were in bondage. Oh, when were you in bondage? In Egypt. Yeah, right. Oh, literal <laughs> Egypt or just the bondage Egypt, right? Mm. Then the other thing that's really, that they have a hard time with is it says that they sell themselves as slaves mm. and have no buyers. So that's mm -hmm. not the African. African slave trade. Not at all. That does not describe the African slave trade in any way. But they take what they want and throw away. And, and in that video, you see them go to Isaiah, their, their favorite passage, to say the way you read the Bible is precept upon precept, line upon line, here a little, there a little. So they say, you don't read the Bible like a novel. Mm -hmm. You go here a little, there a little. <laughs> and so what I've done, and in the podcast, I go through this, I actually do use their hermeneutic to prove that Jesus is white. <laughs> yep. And that I do good. that out of uh, Mark 9. And what ends up happening is the verse talks about his remnant being white. And they're very quick to say, that's his clothes. I said, that's just figurative of his color of his skin. <laughs> and using, using it against and, him. And exactly. They're, they have no argument because if they're going to say that I have to actually use words meaning what they're supposed to mean, then they have to also. Yeah. 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 Yeah, that was a great example. It was masterful because it's it's if you see the video, they're they're shouting, they're surrounding him, they're talking over you, they're and you stayed calm and you said, Hey, I, I let you talk. Let me defend my position, mm. essentially, and quoting him verbatim here. And he went through that same exact line of reasoning right there in front of this whole crowd. Now I, I'm willing to bet that the Hebrew Israelites didn't repent right there, but there was someone in that crowd that heard the word of God and and saw truth in action. Mm. And God's going to use that, you know? Yeah. Well, the thing is, right after that, and this wasn't on video, but we had, on, I had two of those black Hebrew Israelites talking to me. On either side was a large group of white people. Mm -hmm. And they were interested because they're hearing this. And they're, they're seeing the behavior back and forth. But the thing that ends up happening with the way you conduct yourself, if you're going to do street evangelism, uh, get a book called sharing the good news with Mormons, read my chapter on open air evangelism in there. Mm. Uh, it, it deals with just evangelism in that way, but specifically targeted to Mormons, but it still is helpful because I say that not everyone should do it. And if you're going to do it, you have to do it in a way that you are appealing to the crowd. Mm. The reality is I went out to a homosexual parade after it was over a whole bunch of people that were uh, at this gay pride parade that were very angry with me. But the way that I conducted myself ended up being that when I got done doing the open air, I had four of the two of them were the biggest hecklers, but four of them came up to apologize for their behavior. Mm. Why? Because they saw the difference. I kept telling them, look, I, I'm here because I love you and care for where you spend eternity. That's why I come out. That's what motivates me. Mm. Amen. Well, mm. Andrew, we are at we got five minutes left. So if there's anything, it, where can everybody find you at? Give us give us the list of. I try to write them all Absolutely, down. But yeah. you're involved in so much. Right here in that little camera, right there. No, um, it's <laughs> literally uh, where you can find it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's literally where you find. Look, you know, yeah, hermeneutics. Although I got a better face for radio, that, but <laughs> they can find everything at strivingforeternity.org. Um, we are, as you mentioned, we're starting a, a Christian podcast community. Um, right now, it's, there's only two podcasts on there. Mine, which is the Rap Report, which people can subscribe to. I would love that. You can write some reviews on 
on we'll, we'll put uh, a iTunes link in the and, description as well. That's absolutely. a great, great you podcast. Know, folks, go to the Growth Project Radio. Go into iTunes, write reviews, because let me tell you what they won't, okay? Okay, they got a bigger team than I do when I do my podcast, so they're actually looking <laughs> at lots of people. <laughs> but it is greatly encouraging for them to get your feedback to know how listening to these podcasts on Growth Project Radio is affecting you Amen. because they don't know that. They don't see you. Yeah. Thank you. So go out there and write some reviews, please. Yes. <laughs> it's this nice to know people are there. <laughs> yeah. Talk to ourselves. Yeah. Even though we reached yeah. 20,000 downloads. Yes. And, and, yeah. Uh, yeah, well, in a couple months, we just hit 20,000 yeah. in our first couple months here. So that's pretty good. Yeah, we're excited about that. But it, what what uh, what Andrew's saying is exactly right. You know, they're, they're kind of nameless, faceless folks out there. And we're glad they're downloading and we're glad they're listening to us. But, man, it would be nice to uh, uh, to kind of hear how we're doing. If we're yeah, not doing I'm, a good job, tell us that, I'm too, by the way. I'm going to have to pick back so. up on my modeling career, you yeah, know? Yeah. <laughs> I did, Andrew, for your information. <laughs> I modeled for Righteous Wretch Clothing. <laughs> I did. I did. One, one shoe, just so you know. So there are Christian models, and yeah. I am, I am he, the one. <laughs> he was a hand model, so it, don't it let it get her. Yeah, I was going to say it's a hand model, right? <laughs> yeah. but, you know, if if in the reform community, if you have a cool shirt and a beard, you're automatically like cool. You know what yeah. I mean? It's street credit, and I, I have you got a, You got a point there. That's right. <laughs> well, brother, thank you so much for for being with us tonight. Thank you for all you're doing for Absolutely. the kingdom. Yeah. Thank you, guys. Go out and get this book. What do we believe by Andrew Rappaport? You can find it on at strivingforeternity.org or is it on Amazon yet? Uh, that one's not on Amazon yet. We're waiting for the Kindle version, which I'm slow in getting, but uh, uh, we're, it, that should be out on Kindle soon and then we'll have it out on Amazon. But you help the ministry better. I mean, Amazon, you're giving Amazon five bucks or striving for eternity five bucks. So. Yeah. Amen. Well, Please then, get it from us. We don't like supporting Amazon. <laughs> and we'll be doing a giveaway, guys, so make sure you uh, look out for that. We'll be giving out three copies, uh, generously given us to us by Andrew Rapport. Andrew, again, thank you so much for your yeah, time this really evening. Appreciate if it. you want to, just stay on hold for a second. We'd love to talk to you for a moment afterwards. Anything else well, you'd thanks, like to say? Thanks for having me on. And for your audience to know that I, I download this podcast, I listen to you guys all the time. Hey, so I'm I'm not just a guest, <laughs> I'm a fan. You hear that? Hey, that's hey, hey, that's cool. You know, well, we appreciate it, Andrew. Thank you very much. The, the Roblox people are happy in the background too. Absolutely. This, is, this is a great show. Andrew, thank you again. <laughs> Thanks for, for everybody who's been listening to the show. Thank you for all your support. Dan, yeah. do you have any closing statements? Nope. It was a great show. Loved every second of it. I loved it. A lot you of know, fun. Hey, I, it was it was neat seeing Danny be so quiet for one show. I know everybody's <laughs> surprised for that. You Usually he's the guy with, with all the words. Uh, but thank you, Savannah, for, for handling the time and everything else. Gaze, thank you for the camera stuff. Connie, thank you for doing all the stuff in the comments and putting the links and handling the podcast description. And thank you guys so much for showing love to us and making us uh, feel like we're doing something for the kingdom. Next week, start Ephesians. Oh, yeah. Yes. We're starting Ephesians next week. We're going yes. through another book in our same fun format but if he's just deep we plan on having some guests on to yep. dive even deeper exactly hopefully hopefully getting a lady from theology gals her name just slipped my mind what's her name andrew colleen sorry i was i was muted colleen sharp colleen. not colleen nah, colleen I, I colleen. I I've, I've been abused for years because i mispronounced it all right well <laughs> it's colleen sharp Hopefully she doesn't hear this episode and ban me from the group, but hopefully have her on one of the episodes is something we're working on. Maybe we'll have you back on, Andrew. And any, Absolutely. Anytime you want to crash the show, let us know. We'll, we'll definitely have you on. I, man, this was a great show. And if there's anything we can ever do for you, Andrew, please, yes. we're, we're a phone call away. So, Absolutely. Yeah, same, same here. You guys know how to get a hold of me now.
Absolutely. Well, again, everybody, thank you so much for watching the show. We will see you next week. I hope you guys enjoyed that interview. It was a privilege to be on with the guys over at Growth Project Radio. I really appreciate them. I listen to their podcast, and I do encourage you to subscribe to their podcast. Go rate them on iTunes. You can rate us as well. We do appreciate that because, well, it absolutely actually does pretty much nothing in trying to get yourself higher in iTunes. Yes, you say, but wait a minute. Every podcaster says, rate me on iTunes because it'll help get us better known. No, actually, it doesn't. Um, but we do we do appreciate the 25 folks who have uh, rated us uh, and, and given us some reviews. Um, and that does go a long way for us in making us know that the work that we're doing out here is having an effect on you and so we appreciate it so we got a a new one in this week um i'm going to read this for the first time since it was just given to me so this is from bite-sized brilliance five stars i and they say if you are looking actually no it's not it their title is bright bite-sized brilliance sorry it's from uh (laughs) r-h-d-a-d-x-4 Nice handle, I guess. Uh, But here's what they say. If you are looking to learn theology and apologetics, but you suffer from a short attention span like I do, then this is the only, that's in all caps, by the way, only podcast for you. Each of the two-minute episodes are packed with more information than most shows cover in ten times the time. The longer episodes are just as informative and engaging. If you're looking for growth, that's in all caps too, then this podcast project, that's in all caps, from Andrew Rappaport is for you. Hmm. I almost wonder if this is someone from Growth Project Radio. Growth and Project are all in caps. Don't know, but maybe. (laughs) But whoever it is, appreciate that. We, we're glad that this podcast uh, has been helping many and that many are being blessed by that. Wanted to, before we go, let you guys know of some events coming up in case you're in the area. We will be having a very busy September and October. In September, the uh, 14th and 15th and 16th, so September 14th to 16th, we will be in Redwood City, California, that's Northern California. Dr. Anthony Silvestro and myself will be speaking at the Equip NorCal event with uh, Brother Mark Spence. Next weekend, the weekend after that, we'll be in Carnation, Washington, be doing a seminar on what do they believe. And that's going to cover some different world religions. The following weekend after that, that's September 28th to 29th, 
We will be in Mount Laurel, New Jersey at the South Jersey Apologetics Conference. The week after that, I'll be in speaking at Gyra Church in New Jersey. That's in in uh, Marlboro, New Jersey. Uh, I don't think that's actually open to the public. I'll find out. If folks want to know, they can let me know. Uh, that you can contact us at info at strivingforeternity.org about any of these events, and we'll get you the details if you don't have them. The weekend after that, October 12th to the 14th, I will be in uh, Kootenai, Idaho, for a evangelism, ambassador evangelism seminar. And so we, if you're in that area, I encourage you to come out. And then the week after that, gee, this is sounding like I'm going to have a really busy September, October, but the week after that, we're going to have an outreach in New York City. We have some folks flying in from around the country, guys who attended the Ambassadors Academy with Living Waters. We're going to have a little bit of a reunion. We're going to take them to New York City to do some evangelism, and that is a, an interesting place to evangelize. That's a place to get, well, I was going to say get your feet wet, but yeah, that's more like being thrown into the shark tank. But that is some events if you're in any of those areas and you want more details, please feel free to email us at info at strivingforeternity.org. We'll get you all the details. It was in our most recent newsletter. We're going to have another newsletter that should have some details about some of the other events. If there are things that you want us to address on these podcasts, you can also email us at info at strivingforeternity.org. Let us know that. One last thing is that we would greatly like to hear from you is if there's a way that we could be a blessing to you in your church, if we can come to you and put on a seminar, Bible Interpretation Made Easy seminar, our Ambassador Evangelism seminar, Creation Science, Presuppositional Apologetics, or even Dealing with Sexual Abuse. We have seminars on a wide range of topics, and if you would like us to come to your church and put on one of uh, our seminars at your church, we would greatly love that. So hope that you enjoyed this week's podcast. We have something planned for next week, and we may be, maybe announcing this week a debate with me and a black Hebrew Israelite. We are working on it. We'll see if it comes to pass. Be looking forward to that. This podcast is part of the Striving for Eternity ministry. For more content or to request a speaker or seminar to your church, go to strivingforeternity.org.